Welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith with your host, Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. Listen as he shares his faith journey with intentional application methods to inspire, motivate, and activate your spiritual life to develop a deeper connection to the one true source, Yahweh. This is a Faith Becomes Sight production on Black Talk Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. E. Good evening, or good morning, actually, um, everyone. And welcome again to another broadcast of um, Iron Sharpens Iron with Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. And I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm, I got a good man of God on this morning who's going to be sharing, a man who I've known for many years, a man of virtue, a man of honor, a man of respect. Um, and I, I would like to say a man of God. Amen. And so we're excited to have him on. Before moving forward, I want to thank Black Talk Radio for hosting us. I want to thank um, James Satchmo Gates of Richmond for allowing us to use his song. And with that being said, I would like to introduce you to Pastor Leon Benjamin. Good morning, man and God. How are you doing, sir? Good morning. Good morning. God bless you, Dr. Henderson. Um, this is a wonderful privilege, and this is an awesome day that we're in. And just thank you for having having us on the show. Well, I want to thank you. Um, I don't know the gentleman's name became a knock on my door and he was excited about you and be honest with you. He he got me excited about you. And I, and I said, well, Hey, do you think you'd be on my podcast? He said, call and ask the, um, the volunteer coordinator. And so that's when I reached out and, and before I know it, that's how I was here. But it was the man that knocked on my door. He was an older white gentleman, kind as all could be. But when I tell you, he was passionate about your campaign and you had inspired him and he was sharing, and I was like, well, I need to meet him. I need to talk to him. I said, I, I know him, but I don't know him, know him. So that's how it all began. You're a volunteer. Wow. Well, I tell you, you know, right now, it's a lot of stuff that's happening. And uh, where we are right now with the campaign, uh, God is good. Uh, we, we gained a lot of ground. And uh, just just you know, a little bit about my background. You know, I am a pastor of, of 20 years, married 31 years. It'd be 31 wow. years this December. Uh, Hallelujah. And uh, my beautiful wife, precious wife, Maria, and uh, three beautiful kids, uh, 26, 24, and one just turned 19 on the 27th. So wow. we we are empty nesters, but that doesn't mean they don't come home. <laughs> yes, <sir>. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I understand that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so tell um, me, Pastor, how, how, when was your first introduction to the Lord? When did you first get saved? Yeah, well, um, my, my parents brought us to church. And as you know, growing up in church, sometimes you're not you're not listening to the message, even though the seeds of the message are being sown. Right, and, right. And so growing up in Richmond, Virginia, going to uh, Brook Road Baptist Church, that was my home church, uh, listening to the pastor. And, but at the same time, you know, uh, can't wait till the service is over to get that quarter. <laughs> Back yes, then, you can get a whole lot of candy in the quarter. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and so, but then as I started to get older, I started seeing visions of Jesus in my heart. Mm. Didn't know what it was. Just started seeing how I wanted him to be in my heart, uh, but I wasn't ready. And that went all through uh, elementary, uh, middle wow. school, even high school, and then even uh, getting into the military I wanted Jesus in my heart, but I wasn't ready. It's not until uh, full-time active duty in Gulf Wars, Desert Shield, Desert Storm in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Wow. I officially, I can say it with all earnestness and, uh, and humility that the Lord Jesus conquered my heart in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, December 31st, 1990. And, uh, and I remember the date. Um, as I was told by the saints, you put that in your Bible, boy. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. So what, what happened? I mean, I mean, what happened at that event that caused that? Well, going, of course, the war was very stressful because we all thought we didn't have to go. So getting on the ship at first, first and foremost, uh, in the summertime, I'm told I had 72 hours to get on the ship. I was attached to the John F. Kennedy and I told my family goodbye, you know, uh, but this was real. You know, we're going over to Kuwait. And uh, but we were always thinking that we would do a couple of maneuvers off the Atlantic, go down to Bermuda, maybe, you know, go up maybe as far as uh, Massachusetts and circle back and come back to Norfolk. That ain't what happened. (laughs) We started making our way over to the Mediterranean Sea and uh, 
all of that was in my mind. And then I'm thinking about all the stuff that I've left, family and friends. Uh, it, it became very stressful. So you said that you you were you went up to Maine and came back to the North, but then you went to the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, did they not inform you that y'all were going over to the Gulf War? Yeah, they told us they no, see, in the heart of a of a military person. The, 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 the heart is like, I hope we don't really have to go, that somebody will settle, do negotiations, and do the right thing. That's the hope. The, the goal is not to fight. <laughs> the goal Understand. Understand. Is, is peace. And if someone can negotiate peace, then the less destruction, you know, that we have to do. Yes, but sir. war becomes necessary when uh, the, the, they don't want peace. Um, they want uh, what we call tyranny or they, they, they want to do something that will cause people to go um, into oppression and, 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 you know, a lot of unnecessary deaths and things like that. But, but, but the war, we were always hoping that we would just do some maneuvers and operation and circle back. That was in my heart. And I wasn't saved at the time. So you got to understand. I'm thinking, yes, man, I hope we don't have to go. Right. And, but we started heading over there. And we went through the Strait of Gibraltar. It's actually a real rock, by the way. That's <laughs> it, it really is. Yes. I rock. saw it for myself. It's called the Rock of Gibraltar. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the Rock of Gibraltar. Yes. But it's really a mountain that got covered during the days of Noah. Think about it. A lot of mountains uh, were very high in the days of Noah, but after yes, the flood, some of them did not recover. So the Rock of Gibraltar, going through the Strait of Gibraltar is one of those, right? As you go into the Mediterranean Sea, you look over to the left and you see this thing sticking up out of the water <laughs> called the Rock of Gibraltar. But going over there, and uh, the Lord, I can say now, looking back, 2020 vision, right? Hindsight, the Lord's hand was on me. Didn't even know it. You know, the, mm. the, Lord, the Lord's hand was on me the whole time. There was a person on the ship uh, named Terrence that, that met me and started preaching the gospel of the kingdom to me, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, as an unsaved person, let's all be real, I was mm. irritated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Irritated, agitated, and frustrated. <laughs> but, but thank God for evangelists, right? Because evangelists know that you might not get that person the first time, right? Mm, or the second yeah. time. So, and I was on a ship, right? So where did I go? <laughs> you know? Wow. Wow. So kept on running into him. And, and uh, by the time we got over there, we were over there in the med, probably around uh, September. Uh, then we started working our way, doing maneuvers in the med and uh, going through the Suez Canal. I, so I had a chance to go through the Suez Canal several times mm. into the Red Sea. I got a chance to see Saudi Arabia and Egypt, you know, Africa at the same time, you know, the, the, uh, the, Saudi, the Arabian Peninsula. Peninsula. And, uh, and all of this now, looking back, 2020, is the pathway that God gave the children of Israel out of Egypt. Wow. Wow. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm going in and out of the uh, Mediterranean, back into the Red Sea, and then maybe go over to the Persian Gulf, where we actually, you know, would, would do our maneuvers and everything when we launched the war and other places, you know. But it, it, it's amazing, looking back, I, I guess I call it my Red Sea moment. It was my Red Sea moment, you know, and uh, the Lord baptizing me, you mm. know, um, into him, in, into his yeah. Holy Spirit. And yeah. It was just amazing, you know. So Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, I, I called my mom. It was actually New Year's Eve in Jeddah. Um, and you know how it is with phone calls over there. You'd be like, it's hit and miss, you know. Right, Sometimes right, right. you catch them. And I happened to catch my mom. It was New Year's Day. Of course, we had eight hours difference in Jeddah um, to America. And uh, I told my mom, I'm saved. And, you know, my mom was all happy and everything. But I, I was thinking in the back of my head, she was probably saying, good, because he's probably going to die. <laughs> how, how old were you? How old were you at that time? Uh, 22. 22 years old. Now, now, tell me the mindset of a soldier 
in war for, for a brief moment. So to give our listeners who are not military veterans, who don't understand the pressure and the stress of being a soldier, could you speak on that for a moment? And then also, if you could tell me how your faith helped you and how it may not help some of your fellow comrades or soldiers. Yeah, and as a young soldier at that, because I wasn't, yes, wasn't looking to be in a war at 20, you know, 21, 22 years old. Uh, but it's, it's, it's something where you, you, you have to understand that first and foremost, you're in uh, the military. You, you signed the papers, you took an oath uh, to defend the constitution against foreign and domestic enemies. And mm. that is an obligation that you just can't run away from. Um, and uh, being able to understand that there's some things in life you just can't run away from. And as a soldier, I had to learn that. And what my faith did in understanding that is that uh, in God's kingdom, we're not necessarily soldiers, we're citizens, but right. at the same time, uh, there are things to be protected. There yes, are sir. things to be cherished. There are things to be nurtured. And uh, what it did for me with my faith, I began to see things on another level that, you know, the Lord wants us to have peace. The Lord wants Amen. us to live and not die to declare the works of the Lord and that we all have a destiny in him. We have a future in him. And my faith began to help me. So I started getting letters from all these kids. Kids from all over the world started writing me. I wow. mean, it was, I was getting letters from New York and just Virginia and just different places, just trying to encourage us. That really meant a lot to me uh, uh, during, during the war, because uh, mail means everything during a war. You know ah, I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It makes sense now, yes. So, 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 like we used to watch that show, Mash, right? Remember Mash back in oh, the yeah, day? Oh yeah, I remember Mash. Yes. When, yes. when they had when they had mail call, boy, <laughs> who cares about food, right? Get, get that mail, and I I used to just cherish the the letters that I would get, you know, and and the mail. So it's it's that was important, but but what it did with my faith as as I'm now. You know, right before the war started, obviously, right before the war started, I gave my life to the Lord. So I was thinking now another level. I wasn't worried about dying. <laughs> mm. Wow. <laughs> Good stuff. Death, death was now, uh, okay, I know where I'm going to go. You know, I know that I'm going to be with the Lord. So it was, a, it was a different mentality going into Desert Storm. Desert Shield, like I said, I was a heathen. By Desert Storm... <laughs> I was a believer. Amen. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. So, it, how did you meet your wife? Was your wife? Was your, did you meet your wife in the military as well? No, my wife actually. I met. We actually went to school together, high school together. So what I, high school did you go to? I went to Huguenot High School. So okay, Huguenot. Okay. At that time, it was called JHW. So Jefferson Huguenot with, and I was in the marching band, and uh, you know, so. My wife at that time, they had a chance. She wasn't my wife, but I'm just saying right. the eighth graders she, she, had a she was, chance. She was your wife. She was your wife, but y'all didn't know it. I just didn't know it, right. But right. but I met her at a marching band practice, right? And I was a sophomore, right? And I was like, I was a nerd. She called me a nerd. I said, hi, my name is BJ. That was my nickname back in high school. <laughs> and I had my penny loafers on. I, back then, I had penny loafers on wear a necktie and a briefcase. So like, hi, my name is BJ and I'm a sophomore. She was like, get the heck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, at that time I was in the band, um, trumpet, you know, play trumpet, first, first trumpet, second trumpet. Um, but then by the 11th and 12th grade, I became drum major. So we competed oh, wow. against Petersburg and, you know, Little Creek. We said, we're going to beat Deep Creek. In Chesapeake, <laughs> you know, so so I was a drum major, and the goal was all of us was going to end up at Virginia State, Norfolk, or somewhere, you know, in in the uh, Big Ten, you know, or or marching band. But I ended up going to UVA, and then I went to, came to Virginia Union, um, and played in the I was in the pep band at UVA, which was crazy, you know, uh, CI, <laughs> NCAA, you know, going around Clemson, Wake Forest, North Carolina, you know, all all those schools. And right. then at Virginia Union, of course, I was in the pep band. I placed alpha at Virginia Union um, 
doing uh, what spring of 89 um, and was in the band. And so uh, my wife and I, you know, she was a drummer and I was a drum major and uh, didn't know a few years later, 1991, we would be married. Wow. So you have a beautiful history, by the way. I mean, you have a beautiful history. Um, alpha man, went to UVA, went to Union, um, military. Um, wow. I, that, praise God. Praise God. So, so when you met your wife, obviously things began to matriculate. Um, what were you doing, say, back in the mid-90s? Were you, were you still in the military? Uh, we were in the reserves, and, I, and then uh, uh, we got out, of, got out of the reserves probably by 1996, something like that, 94, 96. And we were just serving in the church. We were working in the Sunday school. I just did whatever the, 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 my pastor wanted me to do with the Sunday school. Um, we worked a lot with the youth, of course, me and my wife. Well, you know, we didn't have kids like for four years after we got married. So we didn't have kids until like 1996. So you could imagine, we, uh, you know, end up, you know, working at the post office. He was working uh, for a doctor. We built our home and wow. no kids. We built it as if we were going to have kids. Wow. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, um, and being able to just serve in the church. And I received my call to ministry in 1993. I went to my bishop and said, I believe I'm calling to the ministry. And he looks at me like, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, yes, I'm young, you know, and not knowing what that really is all about. And he says, go read Jeremiah chapter one. That's what he gives me, Jeremiah chapter one. You know, talking about how he called him out when he was young. Don't say I'm young. You know, I've called ah. you be a prophet to the nations. Oh my yes, God. Yes, indeed. Yes, and, indeed. You know, then he tells me to read the part where he says, don't look at them. You know, I'll make your head like Flint. Or mm. if, and if you don't say what I tell you to say, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, befound you. I'm going to, I'm going to make you look crazy in front of them if you don't say what I tell you to say. So I took Amen. that I took that to heart. And that's how I started in ministry. Um, I was on the Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ under Bishop Bonner. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and that's where I received my um, minister's license um, in Church of Our Lord. And uh, then started growing. Just started just learning things about the Lord and preaching and teaching me and my wife serving together. We sang in the choir, so you know we had a good time. I actually sang in Virginia <laughs> Union's choir. You know, we get we got had a chance to travel all around the nation with Virginia Union's choir with Dr. Hobbs. You know, and um, but we sang in the quiet church. So I'm I'm making all this transition as a new believer, just getting married, serving in the church, and me and my wife. That's all we knew. You know, mm. didn't know that down the road. You know, as we grew in the Lord that it would also now start to venture out into understanding what I call the seven mountains or uh, the different areas of influence. And uh, now that I know what I know now about the book of Revelations, it's the spirit of Jezebel that wants to control the church because the church wow. has the Talk authority over the Talk seven mountains. Talk about it. Come on now. Talk about it. Talk about yeah. it. It's, it's the enemy. The enemy hates the church. And I know that more now than ever before. Because it is the church that has the responsibility to share, not religion, but the kingdom of God to the a world that is being literally day by day destroyed by demonic influence. Talk about it. Talk so about it. it's it's like the church is not the building. The church is a bunch of kings or a kingdom of priests who've been sent to reestablish the earth. Could you elaborate on the seven mountains that you just mentioned? The, se the seven mountains, meaning the places of influence. The mountain, of course, this is mentioned in Revelations uh, chapter 5, around verse number 12, talking about the lamb who was worthy to receive, the lamb that was slain, who was worthy to receive now uh, what we call uh, power, which is the mountain of government, um, honor, uh, which is uh, we call the mountain of religion, then uh, hmm. uh, riches, which is the mountain of economy, then strength, which is the mountain of family, then wisdom, which is the mountain of education, 
So this is the Lord Jesus receiving all of this. Mm. And then um, what we call glory, which is the mountain of what we call sports and entertainment, arts and languages. And oh, then wow. the last one to receive blessing, which is the mountain of media. Okay, Pastor, I'm writing notes. Could you please repeat that one more time? That was phenomenal. So, 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 so there are pillars of influence that hold up the earth's structure. That God ordained Adam and Eve to have dominion. So it wasn't necessarily have dominion over people. But all of these places of influence, we, he was to have dominion. So it's first power, which is the government. Okay. Then, then it was honor. That's religion. You know, what is it to have religion with no honor? Mm. Um, uh, then is riches, which is economy. The mountain, uh, Jesus is worthy to receive riches. So that's what we call the mountain of economy. Then wisdom, which is education. What is the mm. use of having education in the earth if we don't learn about God's, what, his will for us to, what, have dominion, to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth, and to subdue it. So the educational system was never meant to be without theology. Yes, sir. <laughs> which That's is right. the study That's of right. God. That's but right. it, was, it was also to include technology, science, right? Um, it was to include innovation. It was to include all of those things. Um, then it's uh, the mountain of strength, which is the mountain of family. The mountain of strength, the mountain of mm. family. The family is uh, the institution that strengthens the community. Indeed. And, and so then we get to some of the other things as place of influence. We call it sports and entertainment, arts and languages, you know, the arts, theater, music, movies, uh, sports. All those things are, are for our enjoyment. But if the enemy gets involved, now... It's to what? To spread his evil message. Yeah. And when you get movie stars and sports figures who don't know God, but they got a lot of money, That's think right. about what they teach. That's right. That's right. Ungodliness. Yeah. Yeah. Deception. So then, then it goes to the last one, which is, and that's called the mountain of glory. Um, that's the arts and entertainment, you know, the mountain of glory. Glory means that which is to be seen. So anything that you see is glory, mm. right? And then the last one is media, the mountain of blessing. That means whoever controls this mountain can literally say what is good and what is evil. Wow. I, I had read a quote somewhere that said, those who control the media controls history. They, they, they can. They can literally incite and say that the history of America is evil, which we know is not true. Right, right. We right, had things right. that happened in our history, but it doesn't make our history evil. Exactly. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. I do agree with that. So now, let you're pastoring and you've been passing, you're married, you're raising these three awesome children. At what point do you feel a call to shift and to step out of the church and enter into a political arena? Um, I, I, I believe now, looking back, it was the Lord leading me to talk about issues, whether it be mm -hmm. about um, abortion or marriage. I mean, things that I, as a conservative, that I, I use the term conservative, but I didn't use that term back then. Because I was a Democrat, <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I was I, I was a I look back now. I was voting Democrat even as pa as a pastor when I started the church in two thousand two. It wasn't until people came started coming to my church. There was a young lady that came to my church, and they said, "You need to help her in." Because um, I was working with uh, the Republican Party, not knowing that I was really working with them. I was just standing up for what I believe was right, which was marriage between a male and right. female, abortion. Right. You know, we, we don't believe in taking, you know, taking our children out before That's they right. get to enjoy their, their whole life from the womb right. to the tomb. That's and right. so they were coming around saying, hey, do you believe in this? Yeah. Yeah, I believe in that. You know, did not know that uh, I was really going against the grain. <laughs> 
of my own party. But uh, I didn't look at it like that. This young lady came one time and said, you know, you need to help her with her campaign. Guess who she was? Was she? Winsome Sears. Ah. <laughs> Back in 2004, 2005, when she was running for Congress. Wow. And so I started helping out in that way. And it kind of started leading me all the way up to 2016 when I ran for city council. And the Democratic Party gave me a call and said, hey, come on, we heard you're running for city council. We're going to hook you up. I said, hook me up what? I'm not running as a Democrat. Boom, I lost all my Democrat friends right there. <laughs> and so, so, so this was what year? When was this? 2016. And you was running for city council where? In Richmond, Virginia. Oh, wow. Who was your opponent so at the time? It, it, the Lord kind of led me up, and I didn't know nothing about campaigns. I didn't know what it would take, but I was working uh, with the Republican Party and understanding certain things until when I ran, then I saw that ugly eye of campaign and politics. Ah, oh, my God. It woke me up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. What people do to win, right? What people do to win. You know, so, and it really so is it all about winning or really is it all about serving in the so community? I have, a, I have a question. So in terms of the belief that as a pastor, in terms of the belief that um separation of church and state, how were you able to reconcile that being a pastor and, and not speak about what anybody else is doing, but 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 based off of your virtues, your stance and your loyalty. How were you able to reconcile that? And how did your faith enhance your reconciliation with your wife when you made a decision to run or jump in politics? Yeah, Second Chronicles 26 um, gives us an understanding about or, ordained power comes from God, Amen. and as well as Romans chapter 13. Right. So a person who's saying they're in politics can't separate politics from God because mm. the power comes from God. So That's a right. person who is in politics saying they got power and they can't tell you it came from God, run, okay? <laughs> Just go on and run. Um, but, but like in 2 Chronicles, um, we know Uzziah, 26. Mm. Yeah. Uzziah became king because his father died, Amaziah. And this was the same Uzziah that forgot that it was God that ordained him. He goes into the temple to burn incense, which was only supposed to be done by the priests. And 80 priests said, oh, no, you're not coming up in here trying to do what you ain't. Come on, stay in your lane. And he says, no, I won't. And all of a sudden, boom, leprosy hits him. Right in the sanctuary. And he died a leper, a king, mm. a king. So. When people say separates of church and state, they got to be understanding what this talking about. It's talking about two separate entities that should remain autonomous, but cannot work without each other. Uh, say that again. Two that, entities, that, wow. the church and the government should remain autonomous, but they cannot operate without each other. That is true. Oh, man. You know, most people don't want to don't want to allow the church to enter into this arena. They want to leave this arena up to the devil. It's like politics is supposed to be the devil's territory. But what I hear you saying that the politics is also God's territory, and that you're being sent into the devil's camp to call out the demonic and all the evil that's taking place. Is that what I hear you say? Is that accurate? That 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 is an accurate statement, and it even goes further. It never belonged to the devil in the first place. Oh wow! <laughs> Indeed, yeah. The I, yeah. earth, the earth is the Lord, is the Lord and the fullness and everything. thereof, the yeah. worlds and they that dwell therein. It never belonged. He stole it from Adam. Wow! Talk yeah. about it. Yeah, it never belonged to him. When God says, "Let us make the heavens and the earth," <laughs> there was nowhere in that clause where it says, "Yeah," and I'm going to get one of my angels to backstab me and try to take it over. I have never heard anybody speak the way that you're speaking about the word of God and its influence in the political arena, because we've been taught that we should not enter into that arena. 
And I've never heard anybody speak so eloquently about, you know, the need for to have our godly presence in every arena of the world. And so I thank you for sharing that. That, that was enlightening for me. Bless you, Doc, Dr. Henderson. I, I think we all need to just keep seeking this thing, um, what it means to have a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm with you because if we don't get this, our children and our grandchildren are going to suffer greatly under the hands of uh, principalities and powers and despots, you know, yeah. rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual yeah. wickedness in high places. Yeah. And they're not going to know how to deal with them. I because, appreciate your stance. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, because yeah, somebody told him, you ain't supposed to be a part of this. You know, somebody told me that in 2016, they said, Pastor, and they were being very sincere. And I looked at them. It's like, you need to stay in the pulpit. And I said, God bless you, dear. But this is a pulpit. It is a pulpit. It is a pulpit. Yeah, it is a pulpit. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I'm, you know, if I can just be candid and transparent. Yesterday, I was beginning to think like, okay, God, how did I get in a position you know, when, when your campaign manager agreed, I was blown away. I was shocked. I'll be honest with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, God, just order my tongue, order my steps. And I, I want to hear that what you're saying is true. And what I want to confirm with you is that what you just shared opened up a, a portal, a mindset, an open door in my mind that I never thought about before. Just what you just shared about the seven mountains, and more importantly, the need to have God's presence everywhere. Because if the presence of God is everywhere, the only alternative is evil, demonic activity. So we do need God's presence everywhere in Washington and Capitol Hill, whatever. And so I just thank you for taking that stand. That, I mean, that's the stance that the men and women of God should be taking throughout the world. Because we are against a dark principality. We are against the powers and principalities in high places. So I just thank you for your stance. And for nothing else, I support your stance. I support and I thank you for your stance. Bless you. It's It's been a journey. And uh, now I'm, I'm realizing, you know, that I have a responsibility to what is called bridge the gap or to, to stand in the hedge. Um, and uh, those are the, that they were born. In other words, the baby boomers those born between 1942 and 1964, uh, they're at this age right now where they either want to retire or we're really using their wisdom to make sure things stay stable. But then we have the baby, what we call Generation X, which is me, hmm. the baby busters, right? Generation <laughs> X, born, you know, after, between basically 1964 to 1981, you know? That'd be me. That'd be me. Me too. Yeah. 58. Yeah. So we, we are the ones that if the enemy got us, then there's, there's no one to really re rebuke a boomer. Mm. <laughs> if a boomer mm. goes off track, who's the, who's the correct them? Right. Right. Yeah. But then yeah. you have generation Z, the millennials, which yeah. is, what I say, a direct attack against them, the spirit of Antichrist, which wants to convince them that everything is free. You can live all the kind of way you want to live. You ain't got to be holy. You ain't got to be consecrated. I mean, it goes on and on wow. and on. Oh, glory to God. Woo! Yeah, no, everything is instant. This is no longer the industrial age. We're now in the information age. So everything is fast, fast, fast. Technology. Like it says in the book of Daniels, in the last days, wisdom shall, knowledge shall increase. Mm. But without God, you got a tyrant on your hands. And if the mm. Antichrist can get these millennials, they'll kick what? They'll kill the boomers and manipulate the uh, busters or the Generation X. And we don't want to raise up a bunch of manipulators, these millennials who can't have their way, but are very manipulative. And we got to be able to be able to 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 to, to train them mm. and not be ashamed of our mistakes as mm. X. Right. Right. Like Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know what I used to do. Come on. You know, and, 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 and 
and, 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 and I did it ignorantly. And I can honestly say that. I did it wow. ignorantly. Because wow. the, the millennials want to know, are you for real? I mean, you, don't, right, drink, do. you don't smoke. You know, you, you're not fornicating. You're not this, that. I mean, they want to know the real deal. How do you stop that? How do you get married? I got married at a young age, at, at, at 20, you know, 23 years old. Now, generation, <laughs> the millennials, the Zoomers, no, nah, I ain't having no children because it's terrible out here. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That is true. <laughs> That's true. That I'm is just going to make my million dollars, get my Lamborghini. Come on. <laughs> and get, get my iPad and, and my um, iPhone of 14 and travel the world. So how do you think they were able to ease out the church, ease out, you know, prayer and the things of God out of the world? How was that done? What do you see that happening? Notice when the, 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 the legislation came against in the 1960s before we were born to take prayer out of school. So that happened during the boomers, during what we call the Jesus movement or the hippie movement in the 60s. Mm. And so they were able to sneak in there because of all the political unrest going on, civil rights movement, Martin Luther King. Come on, talk to me, man. Wow. All that going on, segregation, you know, um, and, and all that going on. And now we start integration. So it's a lot of unrest going. And where is the church? I mean, we got evangelists, evangelism going on. We got Catherine Kuhlman. We got Billy Graham. We, we got a lot of different people. We got Church of God in Christ. We got all that. But but they never came together wow, to say we must stop evil in all of its forms. Yeah, 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 yeah. They shot King, who was born during the, the Great Depression. He's born in 1929. He didn't live to be until 39 years old. He got shot in 68 when we were born. Yeah, yeah, he did. Come on. Yeah. So what the devil meant for evil, the devil didn't know that 50 years later, God was going to raise up another seed to Amen. continue the work. Amen. Amen. Ain't that something? Whoa! Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Talk about it. Ain't that something? Come on, Ooh, doctor. Glory to God. Glory to God. I feel that. I, Pastor, I feel that. I feel that. I, I concur and I agree and I receive that. Because I was just thinking the last week how I was born in 68. And so I studied the Black Power Movement, the Civil Rights Movement. And so I've always been radical. I've always been rebellious. Matter of fact, my grandmother compared me to David. And I remember one time, Grant, maybe I should be... Um, um, uh, I can't think who I was trying to be. She's like, no, you're David. You're, you're my David boy. And I didn't know quite know what that was. You know, she's gone on to glory as of last year. But I concur and I agree that I have a radical spirit. But that radical spirit is also a faithful spirit because you got to be radical in order to be faithful and in order to stand up. As you said, Romans 1, 1, 6, and I got the, the sweatshirt on, you know, that, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I appreciate your stance because I very seldom see other men of God other than myself who are taking this, you know, definitive stance on behalf of Christ in the world in which we live in. And th that's why I support what you're doing. I support you because, and I thank you because we, I, in August, I went to a conference and the man prophesied that God was calling various people out of spheres of influences because God was trying to take over the earth and bring forth his kingdom. So he was calling people out to go into areas the familiar were not gone into. And God was sending men and women of God into that area. And you're one of the people that he was speaking about in, in, in August of this past year. While God was selecting individuals to go into the world, to claim the gospel in places that have never, ever been stood upon. I remember when um, um, Governor Youngkin was praying outside of the, um, the state house, and I was in a wheelchair because I went to Africa to do a mission. I fell and broke my left ankle. I ruptured my right knee to tell attendance. So I was in a wheelchair up this past July, but I was watching that ceremony and I just thought to myself, he is praying. I mean, he is praying. And I just said, Jesus, just, just, I mean, I don't know anything else that moved me. And so I am moved by men and women of God who are willing to take a stand, whether it's Kyrie Irving, whether it's Kanye West, but people who are taking a stance on behalf of the gospel. In no way am I comparing you to them. I'm just saying that 
your stance is needed in the universe, and I thank you for it. God, God bless you, man. Um, we we are in uh, that scripture in the Psalms that uh, there is a generation yet to be created mm. that will praise the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. that's not religion. Yes. No, sir. <laughs> not, not at all. No, not that's, at all. That's that's government. Yeah. That yeah. that's that's government. Um, and and being able to acknowledge the kingdom of God is here, um, and not for uh, just the sake of, you know, people, only a few people benefiting. No, the, the, it's for all people. Mm, talk about, man, you just said that thing. It's for all people to benefit. So this thing about racism and, um, you know, separating us from um, different cultures, whether it be, you know, the black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter, Asian. It, 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 it's, it's crazy to think mm. that we can live without each other. Mm. And, Amen. And, and being able to understand that we all bleed the same blood. That's right. And that we are called, uh, Alveda King is a good friend of mine and she, she taught me this well. I talk to her all the time. But, you know, we are one race, the human race. And it's, um, it's amazing how now we start talking about money and power, yeah, now yeah. the races have to be separated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, is that something? How that happens? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so they don't mind everybody being together down at the bottom of the mountain. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a relief! What a relief that, that you see that and that you're not afraid to speak out on that. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're from you're, you're from Richmond. I mean, you're from the belly of the beast, and God was able to pull you out of the belly of the beast. And so, so I'm glad that you didn't forget where you come from, because so many politicians do. And to hear your story and hear you talk about your journey, um, man, that that is that's awesome. I think if the people heard that, um, they would get behind you because you have a very compelling story, a very, a very compelling testimony of overcoming by the word of God. Yeah. I, I, and I see that more and more every day. And I thank God for you saying that because uh, we, it, it is, and it's mentioned in the book of Revelation, they overcame him by, by the blood of the lamb, but also by the words of their testimony. Mm. And uh, truly it's a, it's a lot of us that need to sharpen and that's uh, that's why I like your show, Iron Sharpens Iron. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> my my grandmother used to always say that to me. She's like, "Come on yeah. over here, boy. You need to be sharpened." And I always thought I was going to get a whipping, but no, she she was going to use her tongue to sharpen me up. Yeah, that's where the name came from. Oh, obviously it's in scripture too. But yeah, my grandma used to always say this to me. Come on, boy. I need to sharpen you up. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then. The, the other part of that scripture says, so is the countenance of a friend. So, so is the countenance, yes. And, and well, being I'll... able to, to look another man in the eye, you see, the enemy of the Antichrist spirit wants our heads to be down. Mm. Or, or our mouths covered. Yeah. And and you can't sharpen nobody with your head down. <laughs> we no. were taught in interview skills, you got to look that person in the eye. Don't you blink. That's true. That's true. So we got to get back to that, you know, dress for success, you know, um, all these skills that we learn that they try to take away from the, um, from the, you know, the millennials, the zoomers, you know, you can just wear anything, do what you want to do. No, you can't. <laughs> not, not for us anyway. And you shouldn't wear anything and do what you want to do. Yeah. You should not. Yeah. There, there, there is a thing called vocation where our profession yes. comes out of that vocation, but then out of vo Indeed. our vocation is our calling. That's right. And That's our right. calling is a high calling, not a low calling. It's the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. And that's well, not have, religion. That's talking about how God did Adam after he blew into him the breath of life, he stood him up on his feet as a man. Hmm. 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 <laughs> as a man yeah he want no boy who talk about it <laughs> come on now. He was, when adam got up after god blew into him he was a man from the sand or a man from the dirt hmm. 
from the dirt. We, we, Cass, we have about, about 20 minutes left. And so I would like for um, you to talk about your campaign and what you're intending to do um, upon being elected and uh, getting to and getting to um, Washington. What, what is your platform? I, I've heard you speak about the seven mountains. Are those yeah. part of your platform? Yeah, that's a part of it. But we have to deal with it in the sense uh, politically. What does that mean um, at the House at the House of Representatives spot as a congressman? It's, and it's dealing with the money. Uh, Congress handles the purse. So what we've been seeing with the high gas prices, the inflation, uh, the, the, the radical and sometimes irrational spending uh, is that it has caused inflation because on one end, we, uh, we increase the demand. On the other end, we lowered the supply. Mm, <laughs> so right. we lowered the workforce. We lost well over the last two years, 800,000 jobs. People might not realize that, but there yeah. are jobs out there, yeah. but nobody yeah. is working. <laughs> no one. And I don't know how. Why is that? Like, how are we not working? I mean, how are you able to live without a job? Because I, if I send you a check every 30 days. <laughs> well, that, that's true. <laughs> it's a lot wow. of money that went out in the name of inflation reduction which really didn't reduce inflation. The no, Inflation Reduction Act was a cover-up uh, to get America to go down a pathway which would actually destroy it in a very small amount of time. That's why we're seeing the inflation right now that is that, that has gone out of control. The interest rates, home rates, mortgage rates, it is really crazy. You're talking about 69 to 7% mortgage rates when a two, couple of years ago, I mean, even... You know, you get yeah, it two point nine, two point nine, two point nine percent. Yeah, three three point one, three point three. Yeah, this is, this uh, is unheard of. I, the the American that. dollar right now is on the brink of totally being des destroyed because around the around the world, the American dollar is what holds up everything in the form of I don't use the word democracy, but a type of uh, constitutional republic or representative uh, that things can be done fair across the board. When that, when you see the ruble or, you know, some of these other dollars begin to increase the dinar, um, watch out because if it's not a stable government, it's, right. it's going to turn into a, a tyrannical uh, rule and that's not good for the people. So in Congress, um, the economy has to be dealt with. The radical spending um, uh, that has happened, uh, the, 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 the whole thing about being a part of the war in Ukraine, the, the billions of dollars being sent there Brilliant. and to defend a border of a nation that is not even in our covenant. Ukraine is not even a NATO nation. That's right. But yet we've sent monies over there, but yet we can't defend our own border where we've allowed maybe four to 10 million people cross over. And a lot of them we can't vet we, we have known some of them to be terrorists that have come over. Fentanyl, it's a catastrophe. And I've been to the border. I was down there. I saw it for myself that this has to end. Mm. And, and uh, the fentanyl that's crossed over now is now attacking ages 18 to 40. It's killing our kids. Yeah. yeah. This, this, is, this has gone way past addiction. This has gone into homicide. This, this yeah. is criminal what's going so dealing with that dealing with the education is another thing and i know a lot of people got to understand you want to empower the parents to to have a right to choose what curriculums are being taught their kids in school so uh transgenderism shouldn't be taught our young kids in schools i agree i agree um, having boys participating in girls sports should not be done i agree and we have to deal with policy that makes what that makes sense for the people so that they can have a productive and a prosperous uh, life and not one that oppresses. Right now, the food crisis, we talk about inflation, food as much as high as 38%, like eggs and butter. And it's crazy. The, the gas has doubled. We, these are things, utility bills. See, these are things that we can shape through policy on the congressional uh. level. We can stop, the, we can curtail the spending we can uh, make neighborhoods safe again.
by putting leverage on the fact that we should be funding police, not defunding them. Right. What is your position on education? Um, I, education, I call it the money follows the child. Um, th- th- there are monies that should go to the parent to, to make a decision if they want to go to public school or they want to go to private school, charter school, or, or let's say their child has special needs. Maybe they have autism or dealing with some other type of, of uh, handicap. Right. They should be able to get services directly to them. They shouldn't be begging, like, when is somebody going to pay attention to my child and not just shoved in a room and babysit it all day? As a former school teacher, um, as, as well as a college professor, my most recent volunteer situation was at the elementary school. And what I see is that if we would stop focusing on just the high school and middle school and begin to focus on preschool and elementary school children, we can cut off a lot of behaviors because you can see the behaviors in elementary school. By the time the child becomes a senior in high school, I think it's too late. And I think educationally, our, our, our positioning is that we're not moving younger. These children are much more intelligent, much more advanced. And as you just indicated, if they're being, you know, given pornography and all kind of smut, they can be given Hebrew, Greek, you know, um, they can be given, you know, foreign languages and all kind of formulas to help their mental state, you know, develop faster than going a different route. And I just oftentimes don't hear anyone speak about the need to, you know, to strengthen our elementary schools, but more important to strengthen the teachers, to give them, you know, the, the right to defend themselves, to make sure they're teaching out of passion, not out of protection. Because the fact of the matter is our children are becoming more aggressive, but what is going to be done to strengthen our schools and to support our teachers, in your opinion? Yeah, we, we got to be able, as I've been meeting with teachers now over the you know, last several months and, and meeting with uh, parents, is that we got to be able to teach it all again. History, the good, bad, and the ugly. We got to be able to know that but this thing happened in COVID-19 with masking our kids and having virtual learning. That's not for everybody. Uh, the right. kids are falling behind in math and reading, uh, basic skills. We, we, we have to get back to those things and never again allow what we saw happen in 2020 uh, with shutting down everything, never allow that to happen ever again uh, to our children. They are the ones who have suffered the most um, in this. You know, I mean, children learn how to read by looking at lips. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and if you got right. everybody covered with a mask, just That's think right. about what that does to a child, a little child in school. That's right. That's right. And, and so a lot of basic skills, uh, policy-wise, we should have never allowed uh, to happen. My, my, my opponent has been dealing with climate change and dealing with the fact that the earth has not increased its temperature, you know, over the last several years by only 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0.2. And we're worrying about climate change. That that is an excuse, a poor excuse to not address the real issues that we're dealing with right now: the high gas prices, the inflation, uh, the food crisis. I mean, dealing with the crime in the streets. I mean, it's just crazy uh, that we would uh, address electrical cars more than we would address. Come on, can Mama feed little Johnny, little Sally a meal? Right. You know, right. and pay their rent. Right. <laughs> I don't really? mean to laugh, but I mean, it's just, it makes sense. That's logical. That's a logical positioning. So we would rather sacrifice the family for electric cars and for solar and wind. You know, our energy grid system works, 85% of it works off of fossil fuels. That means we're talking about the oil, the natural gas, nuclear, coal. Uh, only 10% works off of solar and wind. That's very little. And to increase that to 15%, even to increase to 15%, would take 300 years. Who benefits when that happens, by the way? I mean, where does that money go to? Let's let's, let's, let's nip it in the bud. Special interest groups. Right, right, right. Not not the community. I always wonder who these special interest groups are. Do they have a face? Do they have a name? No one ever speaks about who they are, but we know who they are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so... It doesn't help the community. And my opponent um, has been pushing this and he's praising, praising God for that. 
Um, and I really think it's sad because he won't debate me. He won't debate me because of the 2020 elections, because I have questions about the, you know, the electoral process, the integrity of the election process. But 75 percent of all Americans have questions. And, 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 as, and as things are really becoming more transparent, you know, um, it, it should have never been election season. It should all have been election day and make it a holiday so that the parents mm. are not worrying about who's keeping their kids. Right. Because they want to go out and exercise their right to vote. Um, and, and so all these things um, will be a part of our platform going in and, and being able to really on day one after inauguration begin to stop the bleeding of the money and get people back to work and begin to create uh, uh, these jobs again where the kids are actually qualified to actually take them. I mean, uh, we, we got to get back to that. And we have programs, and I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, I was at Centura College. I mean, there are programs where you could be involved for a one-year program and come out making sixty dollars to $70,000 a year. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it's not the, it's not the normal college uh, pathway. You know, it's, it's getting a trade. We've lost our tradesmanship. You know, and, and, our, and everybody needs their heater fix, their AC who doesn't need their cars fixed? You know? and I, I wonder why we're not trying to teach kids in elementary schools how to operate a hammer. How to, because the fact of the matter is we had shop in high school when I was in high school. Yes. But now shop needs to be you know, pushed back down to middle school or elementary schools because people were farming back then. Kids were working on farms. So these kids are able to get out and get dirty and get their hands dirty and to establish a proper work ethic. I mean, why are we not, you know, we could, we could do during the playtime in elementary school or middle schools, they could be out planting gardens, learning how to grow, learning how, you know, how the ecosystem works. And you're talking about climate change, get these children back into farming and growing things, learn to grow their own food. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not the politician. I would just make a suggestion. Well, look, I, I'm with you. You know, we need to continually safeguard our most vulnerable, you know, through our, yes. our welfare system, which is our social security systems, our med- Medicare, you know, um, prescription drugs, all those things we still need to do for the most vulnerable, but we need to also balance that out with workfare. Okay. Yes, so we, we need to make sure we take care of our senior citizens, our most vulnerable, you know, those with disabilities, our veterans, Okay, we need to make sure we got a lot of homeless veterans. Yeah, and that should do. not be. You know, myself being a Navy combat veteran, and and but but we also need to balance it out with workfare, not just welfare. Um, and and uh, some are saying that we that the uh that our campaign is talking against lowering medical prescriptions. No, we're not. We, we I agree. We need to keep that at a low cost, especially diabetes medicines. It is through the roof. Okay. Yeah. And, and our social security systems for our senior citizens, make them, making them feel like uh, that money is going to be taken out and moved somewhere else. You know, no. Um, the debt clock, if you looked at it lately, is still ticking. It is. It is. It's it still is. moving. $30 trillion and up. And when we go in, we're going to have to stop the spending. Um, and we, we, we're going to have to do it, do it, do it logically. And spiritually, we're going we're gonna to have to let people know that, look, our nation cannot keep going this way. These are, uh, my opponent has instituted a socialist agenda. And America not, cannot survive under socialism. We can't. Mm. We, 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 we have to have capitalism and free enterprise. We got to bring manufacturing jobs back to America. We, we, we have to. Areas like Petersburg and my fourth congressional district area, because I cover Richmond, Chesterfield and Ryko, Petersburg, Colonial Heights, Dinwiddie, uh, Prince George, Hopewell, all the way down to Surrey, Sussex, Emporia, Greensville, Brunswick County. Um, Some of those places, we could put things in place where immediately jobs can come back in there through manufacturing jobs. That's the need to pull them back from overseas, from Mexico and China and places of nature. So we have a plan and we want to be able to start putting that plan in place um, on day one when we get in start and, and start to re- take relief off of the fourth congressional district uh, with these high taxes. 
you know, and, and this inflation. We, and we want to do that day one. Well, sir, I want to thank you for coming on. I thank for all that you shared. Um, it is a pleasure to see you. Um, I am praying for you. Um, I, I'm just elated by your stance, your godly stance. I'm elated to hear about your journey. And, and I, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you very much. Well, God bless you, Dr. Henderson. Thank you for the opportunity to share. And I pray God's blessing and peace upon you uh, in your journey as well. And everything that God has for you, uh, that God will fulfill it in Jesus' name. Amen. Likewise, good brother. Have a good day. You take it. And thank you all for tuning in for Iron Sharpens Iron with Dr. Ellis O. Henderson, my guest today, Pastor Leon, Leon Benjamin, which would be the future United States Congressman for the 4th District of Virginia. Yeah, God no, bless you, go sir. to my website. They go to my oh, website, yeah, Dr. Emerson, yeah. Benjamin, the number four congress.com. So it's Benjamin, the number four congress.com and get more information about our platform. If they want to help, if they want to donate, we got about eight days left. That's it. <laughs> Benjaminforcongress.com. Benjaminforcongress.com. Please go support. Please go. I mean, what, what I love about you is that you're open for communication. You're open to hear, to hear and to share. So I thank God for you, man of God. Thank you. And God okay. bless you. And may, and may God's hand be over top of your, your life as well as the hands of, of, of your children's life, your, your wife's life as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Anderson. Have a good day, sir. God bless you. Join us again for the next installment of Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith, where your faith is inspired, motivated, and activated. This show will be rebroadcast every Friday. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Peace and blessing until next time.